exploring faith journeys and inspiring ministries that embody the good news of God, you are listening to The Cumberland Road. I'm your host, T.J. Melanoski. My conversation is with Kevin Jenkins, the minister at the New Hope Cumberland Presbyterian Church outside of Casey, Illinois. On the side, Kevin is a percussionist in a band called Mind. And the music for this episode is an introduction to his skills as a musician. Our conversation travels deep to Kevin's military career, deployments into Iraq, combat, prayer, and a search for answers to God's plan that led Kevin into ministry. Prayer comes up often in our conversation. It's an action where we speak, but also listen, surrender, become focused, and become aware of God's desire to speak to and through us individually and corporately. Thank you for listening to the Cumberland Road podcast. If you like this episode, please download and subscribe and share. Enjoy this week's guest, Kevin Jenkins. All right, Kevin, here we go. Kevin Jenkins, thank you for being on the podcast today. How are you? I'm well. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. And how are you, TJ? Doing pretty well. Pretty Good. well. Kevin, Good. where are you? Talk well, for a few I, minutes about where, <laughs> where you're serving, where you live, and what's happening in your life. At this very moment, I am in my study in the church. It's in the middle of a cornfield in Jasper County, Illinois. Uh, the address of the church is in Yale, but it's, it's a country church. And I live in Casey, Illinois, which is about nine miles north of the church. Um, and Casey is a small town. Uh, there's a lot of small towns around here. Our mission field is runs between small towns and uh, rural communities. A lot of uh, a lot of farm communities around the area. There are some, believe it or not, oil fields as well. There's not a. It's not just Texas. Uh, there's a lot of oil fields in <laughs> Illinois. And contrary to popular belief, everybody from Illinois is does not live in Chicago. I'm about uh, a little over three hours south of Chicago, actually. I'm closer to St. Louis and Indianapolis. If take I-70 from St. Louis to Indianapolis. I'm halfway between them. And if you know anything about the area, I'm halfway between Effingham, Illinois and Terre Haute, Indiana. So that's that's where I am physically. I've been here at this church, New Hope Cumberland Presbyterian Church, since uh, July of 2018, uh, coming up on, well, I guess, three and a half years now. Yeah. Uh, And that was one of the reasons I wanted to reach out to you is to get your perspective of being relatively recently ordained Mm -hmm. and serving a church uh, first time as full time. And what that experience is, is like, how, how is it going? Is the honeymoon period over? Well, you know what? It's hard to define honeymoon period when you look back and, and, and the sentiment and the, the eagerness and the desire and the, and the faith has not changed. Mine hasn't. I, I don't think the willingness of the congregation to work toward the same cause has changed. Uh, so I, the honeymoon period may have never been or it's still going i guess uh, I'm, I'm i'm very i'm very pleased and i think uh we are going through a time i think uh COVID, of course has changed a lot of things we had a youth program when i first got here and and the, and it, the congregation admitted it had uh, dwindled the numbers had dwindled a little bit we were running from uh, a, a little in the low to mid 20s on a wednesday evening for the youth group uh, and then COVID came about, and uh, then we tried to start it back. And when we did, it went down to about five, uh, seven maybe, three three to seven, depending if somebody had a ball game or something. Then one family's out, you miss three kids. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, so now I think we're trying to re-engage with the community and trying to figure out really what our ministry is. I, I believe churches, of course, has a has a every church has a mission. You have to figure out uh, what that is, what that call is, and I think ours has uh, probably, possibly changed, and we just need to uh, seek the will of the Lord and 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 follow. I'm not so sure. There's been another church that's come up in the area, and they've really grown their youth program and some of our youth went there which is fine as long as god's being glorified i'm completely okay with that but uh that doesn't mean we get time off or something for us we have to figure out what that is yeah and you have an interesting background you retired from the arkansas national guard as Mm a army captain correct? correct correct So when you were younger, Kevin, what was your dream to be when you grew into adulthood? <laughs> oh, my goodness. I had a lot of dreams when I was younger, I guess. Um, you know, I, I always um, there was a time when I was very young. I wanted to be in the military. And I even remember I grew up in in the church and I even remember a time that I felt uh, called to the ministry at a very young age. And. And people who know me as a teenager and a young adult probably can't see that at all, I'm sure. But <laughs> that's that's still, that's the truth. I, I felt that I was being called to that. And, uh, oh, my goodness, I, I'm a drummer, longtime drummer. And, I, and there was a time I wanted to be a musician. And, and um, I think you, you just, uh, even a baseball player, you know, I wanted to be a baseball player. So I had a lot of dreams, but uh, I have been blessed to be able to do all of those things. I have, I played baseball uh, until I was uh, amateur leagues in and around Memphis and Tupelo and Bartlett until I was 32. I uh, still play drums whenever I can. I've I've done some studio work and thoroughly enjoy that. Uh, I retired from the military and, and, and I am a, a Cumberland Presbyterian pastor at the moment, uh, bringing the word of the Lord the best I can. So uh, our God is a good God, and uh, dreams can be prayers, and prayers are answered, you know. So, With all those experiences, where have you seen God? Is there any significant story, significant event in your life where you just, it was meaningful, it was impactful? been several really uh, where God has shown up and announced his presence and uh, it and undeniably undeniably um, I, I think as I said I grew up in the church and um, went in the military when I was 18 I did seven years active duty in the Navy and then I got out of the Navy and uh, went in the National Guard, the Mississippi Army National Guard, and I was in the Mississippi Guard for 10 years. And then I transferred over, got a new job in an engineer outfit, combat engineer outfit out of Jonesboro, Arkansas, and I was there the last eight years. But uh, one of my deployments, whether well, deployment, the last one was in 07, I think it was. Um, I had grown closer to God and I think God spoke to me, and, and and I think I wasn't listening, to be honest with you. I uh, wasn't focused where I should have been focused. I had always maintained a prayerful life, and, and I'm not saying that made me okay. Uh, most of my prayers were, forgive me for my sins and bless my mom and dad and so on. Uh, not those bold prayers, you know, not those really strong prayers where you're laying it all out there. And then I started praying for certain things in my military career. And uh, and God has this way of working. It's undeniably God. And if you deny it or you have trouble believing it, God has a way of convincing you. Uh, when I, I I had prayed to get a position to where I could go back, I'd been over to Iraq a couple of times before that and, and just not really gotten involved in any real action. And I thought, well, you know, that's why I'm in, that's why I do this job. I want to do the most I can do, be the best I can be for other people who need me to be the best I can be for them. 
And um, then the third time, I finally got to go back in a combat role. And um, and I, I don't really know what details I should put in here, but it went on for a, lo a long time where I'm, I'm praying for this. And God is answering my prayers. It's just not the answer I'm asking for. And uh, one thing led to another and I, I didn't go, things happened and I, I would not deploy for different reasons. And then it came to a point when I, after I had been frustrated, disappointed, sad, uh, I just came to the point where I, when I truly gave it up and quit asking God to do this for me. And, and I said, okay, God, I am, um, it's yours. I'm yours. I'm going to. I'm going to do what you want me to do, and I'm not going to complain anymore. I'm not going to continue to ask you for the same thing anymore because I'm not so sure that's what you want for me, and I want what you want for me, and I want to want what you want for me. And this was um, when I was in Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri, and I had gotten news uh, probably the second or third time, I think the third time, that uh, for different reasons I would not be – deploying. And when I said that prayer, I, I had, I was graduating from where I was there, uh, the uh, officer basic engineer school. And I was on my way home and on my way home after graduating, I got a phone call from the unit saying, we need you to go to Iraq. So um, it, God was, was in that I needed to surrender for God to say, okay, now that you're, you're willing and you're listening, um, We've got you where he's got me where, I, where he wants me, I guess. He knew how to speak to me because as I go over, as I said, I wanted to be the most effective uh, in the most effective role I could be. I wanted to do the most good for the people, for the men uh, that I could possibly go. I went as a platoon leader for uh, an engineer company that was a route clearance company. We looked for bombs and IEDs and things like that. And uh, we hopefully found them before they found us. That was, the, that was the goal. And there were several occasions there where I uh, just kind of encountered something. You know, you've got luck. You've got good luck. You've got bad luck. You've got dumb luck. But there came a point when luck could not have been a factor in it anymore. Uh, and, I, and I realized this and I recognize this and I'm looking around, I'm thinking, there's no way I should be here. There's no way I should have made it through that. That's ridiculous. I mean, there was one time when I was in a vehicle um, and there were bullets being shot at me. And I was, we happened to have a vehicle that day on patrol that had no gun. It was not, it was not a gun vehicle. It was more of a uh, mine detector and being the boss, I could put everybody wherever I wanted them. And I wanted to drive that thing. So I'm sitting in this thing that has no gun on it. And I'm the only one in it. And it's a mine detector. First of all, you're going to, you know, you're sitting on top of a mine if you're detecting it, which is not a good thing. But nevertheless, um, we were attacked. There was an ambush that attacked us. And, and I'm looking out from this vehicle that I'm in. And, and it kind of looks like, I guess you could look at it and think, see a, some resemblance to a road grader. So I'm in this road grader looking vehicle and there's bullets hitting the dirt all around it. They're not hitting the vehicle. They're literally falling into the ground before it gets to the vehicle. There's another time, a couple of times I, uh, I took direct hits. There was this one time when a, a rocket was launched at my vehicle. And, uh, and it takes, rockets have to be armed for them to explode. And they need a certain distance or a certain amount of time for the mechanism to arm itself. And it was fired too close to my vehicle. So it didn't have that distance necessary. It didn't have that time to, to arm. So it hit the vehicle, broke the, the bumper in half, and then spit off into the air to my right and blew up in the air. Uh, if it had been 16 inches higher, it wouldn't have mattered. It would have come through the windshield. But, you know, so many little things that had to have happened for me to, to make it out. And there's other examples. But there just came a point when I recognized God was in these events, God was getting me through these events, and I had to ask myself, why? And I knew that God had a plan for me, and, and I became very excited after a while, wondering and, and admitting that this is, this is the spirit work, and this is not luck anymore. So I was um, 
eager, very eager to get back in 07 um, and 08 to find out, to, to go on this journey. So I started um, studying and, and, and looking and, and I retired in 2013, but I spent those last few years um, kind of looking for the answer. And uh, so that's, that's how it, my call came about. And when I retired from the guard, um, I had a, I, everything I'd asked God to, to help me through and help me with accomplish all the boxes to check and all this stuff. I had accomplished every single one of them. Uh, commanded a combat company, I'd, I'd done, done everything I wanted to do militarily, professionally speaking. And it came to a point where I, I just said, okay, God, thank you. And now I'm ready. I'm, I'm ready to follow you. And uh, in 2014, I retired in 13, 2014, I uh, enrolled at uh, MTS. And uh, it's funny, when I started there, you, you, I'm sure you can relate to this. As soon as people found out I was in seminary, everybody just automatically assumed that I was going to be a preacher. And uh, I had that was God took it very slow with me because God knows I can't think that fast. I can't think that far ahead. So he was very slow. He he had a few bombs and bullets in there to help motivate me along the way. And, and, and that was necessary for me. You know, God's wonderful like that. God can speak to you how you need to be spoken to. And when I started seminary, I had no idea that I would be going into uh, the ministry field, church ministry. But uh, lo and behold, that's what God had in store for me. Kevin, let me let's back up just a little bit. I want to ask a question. Your experiences in combat and these close calls, you relate them to God. How would you articulate and share that with somebody who's, who maybe was in the vehicle with you or sharing the same experience as you that took a different take? Like you alluded to luck, that there's more than just luck. How, how do you share that? How do you wrap your brain around that? Well, everyone who was in the vehicle with me had gone through, we had all gone through similar training. A matter of fact, a lot of the training we had gone through, we, we went through together. So, um, of course, training is designed to prepare you to, for your response. You know, things happen unexpected, but hopefully you've covered it in your training. And it's kind of what I was alluding to. Um, I had trained for this for so long. I was really, I wanted to do it. So I was praying for it. And, and likewise, other people there, we were all, we'd gone through intense training uh, for some time and we were all motivated and inspired to, to do the best we could. And when these things come up, these things happen, you remember the training. You, you you just respond because it's almost muscle memory. You remember how what you're supposed to do. There's certain certain responses, but um, when you share some of the close calls, you say or near misses, depending on how you look at it, um, you know there's a higher power. And it's been said, and I can't I can't remember off the top of my head. There are no atheists in foxholes. Uh, well, I can attest to that when you are in a foxhole or you are even driving behind a vehicle that gets hit or you you yourself are hit um, or an ambush takes place, uh, you know, some experience with those, some of those things, you want there to be a higher power <laughs> because exactly as, as scripture says, you know, God's strength is made perfect is in our weakness. And there is probably no greater weakness that, as a soldier that you would experience than, than being outgunned, outmanned, uh, overpowered, and uh, or even the thought of such, such a thing happening. And, and even if it's just, if you can fight back, even if you have the, the firepower to do so, you still need strength somewhere from somewhere. And, and I don't think it's, necessarily i mean you can we I'll tell you what we did uh i don't know that it was a evangelical opportunity to to 
speak to my driver and my gunner and say, hey, you know what? You should give thanks to God because, you know, we, sh we should have been shot or we should have been blown up or something. But what we were a group of believers. I mean, we really were. And this, this is so much made it so much better when you went into these situations uh, that you, were, you knew you were going in with your brothers, not just military that you'd come done all this training with. But you were going in with some believers uh, beside you that had had faith in that higher power because and, and you didn't want it to be up to you. You didn't want that to be up to you at, all the time. So we would always say a prayer before we, we went on every mission without fail. Every single mission we prayed before we went outside the wire and uh, and we would take turns praying. Uh, we would always open it up to anybody who wanted to pray, but usually it was three or four of us. One of might have nine to 13 on a mission, uh, but usually it's one of the same four that would say the prayer all the time. And uh, we, and, and it doesn't matter who prayed. It always ended. And I don't remember when it started, who started it, but it always ended with a petition to keep our eyes sharp and our armor hard. The prayer always ended that way. And that was a prayer, a corporate prayer by all of us, for all of us. So that was a, it was quite often a shared faith. Most of my soldiers were from Arkansas, Oklahoma, some were from Vermont, um, Indiana, you know, the heart of America. A good, <laughs> so, uh, myself being from Mississippi. Well, I wanted us to go back and kind of reflect on that just for a minute and dig a little deeper. Mm -hmm. Uh, sure. you were, you were talking about you entered seminary and often the assumption is if you were a seminary student, then you are preparing for ministry to the word and sacraments. You were saying you were attending with kind of a different perspective. Yeah. Um, the first day at seminary, you, or it may have even been the, uh, indoctrination class before classes started. I'm not sure, but there was a, a either new students or prospective students that had gathered in uh, one of the classrooms, one of the larger classrooms there, and they asked the question, uh, "Why are you here?" and uh, and they went around and they asked everybody that question. And there was, uh, I remember at least one who was going into hospital chaplaincy, and another who was uh, going who was a, uh, at Le Bonheur Hospital, not a chaplain, but she wanted to uh, get a degree that helped her minister to the families of these children who were in the hospital. She was, she had a position that uh, really allowed her to get close with the families of, of patient, uh, children patients. And, uh, and oh, I think everybody else was church ministry everybody. And, and I wasn't the first one, but I, I wasn't the last one. But I was close to the last one they asked. And, and, uh, and I told them my answer was, you know, I mean, there were some people kind of blew me away. I didn't expect this. There were some people who were not only were called to church ministry, but they'd been in church ministry for 10 or 15 years. And they were just now going to seminary. I didn't really have a full understanding. Of that. And I thought, well, that's great. You know, you're furthering your education, you're it's a call. The call never ends. So you're, you're called to know God and, and how can you better present God to others than studying, continuing to study? Because God's Jesus says, love God with our minds. How can you love with your mind if you don't use your mind to know something? <laughs> so uh, I thought that was great. But when they got to me, I answered uh, as honestly as I could. I said, I don't know why uh, or what I'm going to do. All I know is that I, right now, I am called to be at seminary. And this all started uh, with my wife and I having a conversation. One of us was going to work on our, our master's. And uh, and I said, well, the only thing I would rather want to do really to work on my master's would be um, history. I love history. I was a history undergrad. So I, I got to go first and work on my, my uh, master's, and that's what it was. Um, and I And I did not know why I was there, but then I as I said, people, a lot of people, the smiles came over their face. Some of them looked at me with puzzled looks and thinking <laughs> seminary. But I think all of them, without, without exception, thought I was going into the ministry. And it, and like I said, God had to work slow with me. I think if God had uh, thrown that on me all at once and I'd known everything, all this just instantly known from the beginning, 
I would have had a lot more to overcome and God was going to walk me slowly through that task, through that field. And so in your seminary journey and your seminary process, were there doors that were opening up to you to kind of, how did that work to? Yeah. Um, well, once people found out I was in seminary, uh, I remember I was asked to fill a pulpit. Well, Pastor Jim Ratliff, first, it was the first one to ask me to uh, preach. We have a sunrise service and a regular service on Easter Sunday. And he asked me if I would, if I would want to preach the um, sunrise service. And, and I don't know what possessed me to say yes, but, but I, said, I said, sure. And then I thought, my goodness, what have I done? And <laughs> to preach your first sermon on Easter Sunday. Wow. How, how, that's a big deal. And then others found out. And, and I, I think I, um, down near Kasuth uh, or Corinth, I filled in for a pastor that was on convalescent leave for two, two weeks, I think. Uh, so it just kind of came out of that people started sort of hearing about me. And then there were some people, I grew up in Batesville, which is about an hour south of Memphis on 55. Um, and some people down there, church didn't have a pastor. So they asked me, they heard I was uh, in seminary. So it just kind of took off like that. And I think, again, that's God working um, to say, this is it, you know, slowly, no obligation, no long-term commitment, but slowly he worked through uh, these opportunities, gave me these opportunities. And, and then it became more apparent. And I actually enjoyed bringing the word of God to, to people who really wanted it because some of these churches didn't have pastors. And, you know, if they didn't want the word of God, well, they could have easily stayed at home or they could have just had Sunday school and gone home, but they wanted to be fed. And that, uh, you know, it was just God working all through it. Was there a particular moment where things just kind of clicked and you knew that this is where God was leading you in terms of, uh, well, ministry and ministry mm -hmm. in the Word and Sacraments? Or or was it kind of the gradual that you've been talking about? I really think it was gradual. Um, there were a handful of wanted me to take over or, or fill the pulpit as a licentiate, you know, a pulpit supply or, or become their, their pastor in that sense. And, and I did not think some of those opportunities were correct. Some of those opportunities were right. Um, and I think I was still, it was my apprehension in a lot of ways, mm -hmm. but uh, I also think God was working, working that out and, and, to lead me here to New Hope. Uh, I remember one interview, uh, someone asked, what assurances can I give them that once I get ordained that I won't leave? And and I thought, wow, you know, that's a, that's a tough question because I haven't been planning this out myself. I can't tell you what the plan is uh, two years from now, three years from now, I can't tell you that. And uh, so I didn't feel comfortable taking that position because I kind of felt like they were, they felt like they were investing in me and, and, and I wanted to be where the Lord wanted me to be. And how this church came about, I told my wife, Samantha, and if anybody calls and asks us to come preach, we're going to do it. I'm not going to turn anybody down. I'm not going to say no, uh, because that's, I believe I had by this time, come to the belief that uh, and trust that uh, God was calling me to do it. And the thing for me to do is obey God. And uh, if anyone asked, then I was going to show up and bring the word. I was called by a church out of Illinois and I is the last place on earth. I would have picked for myself probably, <laughs> but uh, I was called by this church and uh, a lot of other churches I'd preached at been offered uh, some, some, pastorates opportunities. And, and I really appreciated that. Some of them were very attractive. I felt really good about it. But when I came up here, I, I told Samantha, well, you know, it's, we're going to go up there and probably go all the way up there and preach a Sunday and come back and never hear from them again. But it wasn't that at all. I, I think this is, um, they lost, this church lost their pastor uh, about the same time I started seminary. And uh, 
one of the elders here uh, led the congregation in prayer at that time for their new pastor. And it's just really, um, again, to me, it's, it's undeniable that God was working it from that very point years ago, that in 2014 or whenever it was, when he, that previous pastor resigned, they said a prayer for God to prepare their pastor. And lo and behold, I'm starting seminary about the same, I mean, exactly around the same week, you know, so that, that's, that's God. Um, and we, we, none of us knew this, none of this came out until I've been here probably several months anyway, but um, yeah, that's, that's God a, working. That's an interesting um, viewpoint because you've got these two paths, well, a congregation and, and you, the individual, and to see them begin about the same time and then intersect. Yeah. yeah that's pretty. That is a plan. I mean, and I, and when I was asked about that, I had no plan. I couldn't tell you what it was going to be in a year from now or a month from now, even. I was just taking it daily, trying to get through, trying to achieve and accomplish, check all the boxes. But God was working the whole time. I didn't know what his plan was, but I was, I had submitted myself to it. And nor the congregation. Yeah. had any idea who their next minister was going to be. Yeah. Well, I think some of them were as surprised as I was at some, some, <laughs> some guy from Mississippi was willing to come to a cornfield in, in Illinois uh, as I was that I had been called. And, and I never thought to, to turn the call down. It, it was never even uh, something I had to debate or figure out or weigh the options. You know, it's just, I was called to do it. I was called to be here. Kevin, with all this openness that I'm hearing in your life, in your faith journey, this openness to God and and God's leading and the ability to discern and practice with this openness, where are you seeing God today in your own life? Well, uh, when we moved here, uh, I, I took a pretty substantial pay cut uh, about more than half of my salary was gone. And, uh, and we, we made pretty good profit on the house. We, we bought a house here. We looked around for six months. Now the housing market here is what the housing market is here, but it's not like it is anywhere else. There's uh, a lot of old houses, houses that need work. And we kind of developed the, the, the desire to move into a house where we didn't have to immediately go to work on it. Mm. And we looked at, Oh, I don't know, a dozen houses maybe. And, uh, there was one that stood out that we really wanted and it was out of our price range. We couldn't, we could, couldn't afford it. Time goes by, things happen. We get this house. Um, and we considered it to be a blessing, of course, a gift from God. So um, we made a vow. You know, you don't have to make a, a vow to God really, but we, we just told each other that we have to use this house for ministry. So we, we have had, uh, since we've been here three years living in that house, well, less than three years, we've had three exchange students. We have another one coming in, uh, um, January. We have, uh, opened the house to many people over, over the time we've been here. And that's just one way. And that's, that's us opening ourselves for God to work through us. And, and we hope that these, these young people receive that and, and notice that and recognize that. And one thing we do, um, is, each student comes while they're here. And if they're listening, the ones we've got now will we'll know what's coming, but uh, we give them a Bible that is in English and in Spanish, or this, this child's in Spanish. We've had a German kid, a Thai kid, and we've got one coming from Denmark. So what we do is we get a Bible that's in English and their native language. And, and, it, and uh, that's our, one of our gifts to them. Um, so that's, that's God working. Uh, but for God to work, God works in us. He works, God works through us. There, that's, mm -hmm. I mean, sure, God is capable of, of doing things without you. Like my experience in Iraq, you know, I, God was there present, making things happen, allowing me to notice those things, providing opportunities through different churches and, and, and new hope. But God, when we see God working, around us. God is working through us. We have to allow ourselves 
to, to be used. And that's one of my prayers is that we as a people, as a church and me as a person, uh, give myself to God for that use. And, and I know you can see that, uh, especially in Memphis, it's pretty easy to see some of the stuff that's done in such a great voluminous populated area. I mean, um, you've got ministries that reach out to people there. Uh, here, it's not as prevalent. Uh, the ministries we do here or reaching out to individuals and, and families. And, and a lot of times we don't know about that until they tell us, until they ask. And sometimes I've got a pretty good session and, and I ask that they try to keep their finger on the pulse of the congregation, but also the community. We don't just minister to the church. We have to reach out into the community. You know, um, Pastor Jim Ratliff used to preach uh, one of his main ministry points to, to just bring home and drive and drive and drive was uh turn the walls out. You got to go out. You, you, you can't keep your ministry inside walls. You have to go out. So we, we do that. Um, and again, where I see God working, I see God working through the church and I see God working through individuals. And that's a, that's a lot of ministries going on. Sometimes you have to look for them and sometimes they're very obvious. Well, I believe that that is the core because we are in a relationship with God as individuals and in terms of sharing our faith, we have to have a relationship with another individual exactly. and a trust developed and a rapport developed to be able to talk about these grand transformative power that can be experienced through having faith through Jesus Christ. And that, that, comparison of these grand ministries that are reaching multitudes of people. But if I am the recipient of that, I, I can only look at it through my own lens and my own experience. So there, there's so much advantage of being part of the community where you have these great opportunities for intimacy and to, be, and to be able to share not only the time, but the space that we occupy with another person. Very true. We are, created in the image of God and God's image is in relation. I mean, he wants to be in relationship with us. He created us for that. He, he walked in the garden with Adam and Eve. So, I mean, he wants to be, but God is a holy God. You can't just approach God at your leisure. I mean, we have to prepare for that. Uh, but nevertheless, we are created. And that's where repentance comes in, by the way. We are created in in that image, and God not only wants to be in relationship with us, but if we're created in His image, then we are created in the image of being in relationships. So it's just our our nature. It is our nature to be together when we uh, just have breakfast, or together when we when we're doing ministry, or together when we worship, because God created us to be that way. So um, John. John's first epistle, 1 John, the first four verses of it, I, I think, speak to that. Uh, John writes that, you know, he, he had an advantage because he said, we see, we hear, we, we've touched, we've touched Jesus. Well, yeah, John touched Jesus. And in a physical sense, we haven't had that opportunity to physically touch Jesus I, in that sense, in that sense. But we are called to... Um, be in fellowship together, John writes, and in our fellowship, he says, is with God, the Father, and Jesus, the Son. And, and he closes out that, that introduction of the letter by saying, this, in this, my joy is complete. In fellowshipping with God and Jesus and each other, in, with God and Jesus, his joy is complete. So and I, I think um, we are called to fellowship together. And, and I think those of us who are, you know, there's a lot of people who, who I believe are Christians or have Christian beliefs and practice Christian and then believe in Jesus, like I did for years, and, and, and pray and have that, that type of relationship. We're missing out on a great aspect of the relationship when we do not fellowship together in the name of the Lord and we don't worship together. And, uh, and I would like to see us get back to where the church is a little bit more, more a prevalent ministry in society. I don't know that the church is failing. 
I just think there's a lot of forces working against what the church is working for. And, and we can't give up and we shouldn't get belligerent or over the top or extreme in any situation. And, but uh, we need to be in fellowship together. And it's, you know, sometimes the tragedies bring us together. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I hate that it has to be nine elevens and things of that nature that uh, make people look back and, and reconsider their, their place in society. Yeah, we we shouldn't rely on um, uh, shared losses to 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 motivate us to be right. able to to draw us together. Shouldn't rely on those alone to be put into action. Right. <laughs> you had mentioned the word earlier, uh, repent. Uh, I've been doing some reflecting and and um, I I'm seeing repent and repentance. Uh, as a as a self awareness mm-hmm. for for us to be to be able to repent, there has to be a little discernment and sort of a, a self awareness of who I am and who I could be. And uh, it's just a thought I've been chewing on. It's an open ended thought, and, and and question is is repentance is also being self aware of who I am. And uh, a lot of times we spend a lot of energy uh, avoiding <laughs> that kind of self-awareness. Right. Maybe it comes with age as well. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe it does. <laughs> Wisdom, right? <laughs> right. Well, well, just because I'm getting older doesn't mean that wisdom is growing along with... But you can say that. It just makes it sound better. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> hey, you were... Kevin, you were alluding to um, the community and being involved more in the in the community and the having those fellowship aspects and turning the walls outward, as Reverend Jim was had referred to and preached about many times. Right. What will that look like in terms of ideas for the church and the, and its involvement in its local community and also the global community as well? What what hopes do you have for the, the church at large? Well, th- that's really a, a great question um, because what we have to do, you, you mentioned repentance means awareness. I think as, as a church, you know, the church, not just you and I, we can repent, but the church should repent as well. We, we have made some mistakes over the years, but uh repentance or becoming aware, allowing ourselves to to become aware of what's going on out there um, is something that we need to do because uh, what happens in those cases, well let me let me tell you my personal experience. I, I was brought up in the church and my my grandparents and my mother, my grandfather was a Methodist minister and my mother grew up in the church so that was what she knew. And, and she took me to church, and that was what I knew growing up. It was part of my existence. It's what I did every week, you know. And uh, when I, I tell people when I turned 18, I exercised. The first thing I did was exercise my God-given free will to not go to church. <laughs> so, so I didn't go to church for about nine years. But the thing is, that had been instilled in me. I knew it was there. So I came to a point in my life where I realized, I recognized uh, something was missing that that I had had before that is there, still there. So I knew what it was. What we have to do is provide, as a church, what we have to do is provide that awareness. So when things happen, people know we are there. People are aware of our existence. Now, you can turn the walls, and, I, and this is from my experience as well. You can you can turn the walls. You can go out to the community. You can host events that would draw the community in. Uh, the fact of the matter is that doesn't keep them there. It, it really doesn't make them want to come. And, and churches, one of the hardest things to do anymore is, is grow a church. And that's what everybody's answer is. Well, I don't know that that should be our answer. I think our answer should be make them aware we are here. Because when the time comes, whether it's a 9-11 or whether it's something that somebody knows in their own existence, they've come to a point where they need something else. They have an awareness of where they can look to find that. 
Mm. And, and I think that's what we need to do. We, we should not, I, I really think it's dangerous. It's a slippery slope. If we think we're going to turn the walls out and that's just, just means automatically because you're doing that, you're going to have people come, you're going to grow, you're going to glorify God in that way. Uh, we should not uh, measure our success or the glory of God by our successes or or our failures, we should just we need to make present an awareness. And if and if something happens, then they know we're here. And where we have felt is if they don't know we're here, they have people have to know the church is here. Yeah, Kevin, I think there's a we've blurred this distinction between church growth and evangelism. I agree. And you know the church growth comes from one specific motivation and making disciples also has a different mission or motivation. And we often blur those and use those terms and motivations interchangeably. And I just think that we, as we continue as a community of faith, that's a conversation that we, we need to have so that we can go, okay, we are doing this because we want the church to numerically grow and or we are doing this because we really want to answer the call of making disciples. And if church numerical growth comes from that, that's great. But that's our secondary motivation for sharing the good news. Amen. And I think we we blur that at times and use those terms interchangeably. Yeah, I think that's true. Kevin, how can folks listening to this podcast continue to follow you on your faith journey? Where can we find you? Well, uh, in a cornfield in Illinois, <laughs> uh, we have a we have a Facebook page, uh, New Hope uh, CP Church, Yale, Y A L E, Illinois. And uh, we do live stream. I do a devotion each Wednesday. Uh, we have we live stream the service on Sunday mornings, uh, and we have other activities you can find that are posted there. When, when we have such activities, we always advertise them there. Have a website, NewHopeCPChurch.org. Uh, actually, probably need to update that because it's still got a lot of the COVID uh, particular things relative to COVID that have now. A lot of them, we don't do exactly that way anymore, but uh, probably should update that website. But that's got some information on it. Um, I, uh, If you're in this part, you can certainly call or uh, prepare. And I'd love to meet with other CP folks. I um, This is North Central Presbytery. If we were up this way, we just had a Presbytery meeting this past weekend. So if anybody wants to come to one of those... <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll be there too. And you're continuing your ministry as well. Mm -hmm. Your uh, your education and uh, at Trinity. Yes. Talk yeah, more about uh, that for a minute. Well, you know, when I I got up here, I I, I wanted to do that. It was always a, a thought was to uh, not because I I want to have doctor on my tombstone or anything like that, <laughs> but uh, I just really enjoy studying. And as I said earlier, you know, Jesus commands us to love God with all our mind. And I, I think it's, it, I think it will help me help others, but it also helps me. And, and uh, kind of like I started when I started seminary, I, God allowed me to believe it was for my benefit. <laughs> uh, and this is something I'm doing because I, I wanted to study the Bible. And I'm, I'm just more disciplined, I guess, to do such do those things when when there's a deadline or there's uh, it's it's told you have to do this research or, or, or read this or, or listen to this lecture or whatever the case may be. Uh, whereas if I wasn't required to do it, I might not do it. So it's kind of a personal self-discipline type thing. And, and I'm really enjoying it. It's in, um, Bible studies. I'm going back and forth on what my uh, doctoral project will be my writing project will be i've got some some ideas uh 
And as soon as I think I've settled on one, something else comes into my mind, but I, I have to. Uh, so I, I'm relatively early in the process. I, I think I've got seven hours behind me and I'm taking, I'm enrolled in five now, but it's coming to the point where I'm going to have to really s- stop thinking about it and, and start doing it. So I, I have to figure that out. Kevin, thank you for being a guest today. Thank you for sharing your life experiences. And I, I really appreciate it. I really do. Well, I, I thank you for asking me. I think this is a, a great thing, a great ministry of the CP Cumberland Presbyterian Church uh, that we get to hear these stories because no matter who you are, where you preach, where you went to seminary, uh, we all have a story, you know, we all have testimony and you, and you allow us to a lot of ways to not only speak our testimony, which is what we were called to do, but you're allowing others to hear it, which what good would it do? And why would God tell us to speak it if nobody's listening? So kudos to you. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you. Thank you for sharing and folks for tuning in. Thank you for joining this episode of Cumberland Road.